The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 220. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Braveheart team. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding. Position universe. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Hello, I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Ta-da! Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli. And you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 11th Doctor story, A Good Man Goes to War. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, remember to like The Secrets of Doctor Who on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash secrets of Doctor Who. And retweet us on Twitter, where we're at SQPN, and leave us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and, in fact, we have some good feedback from listeners at the end of this episode. But, uh, Jimmy, you've got something you wanted to start with. Yeah. So, recently, we did the second Doctor story, The Yeti, and or The Abominable Snowman. I forget which, yes, which that's they what technically is. called it. Yeah. They call them The Yeti in the actual episode. Right. But... I, I was interested to find out, just recently it was announced, that Big Finish has an upcoming audio set that fills us in on the backstory of that episode. Because one of the things that was clear from The Abominable Snowman was that this was not the first time the Doctor had been to the Detsen Monastery. That he had been there previously, when he got a MacGuffin, that he was bringing back in, in <laughs> The Abominable Snowman. And so uh, Big Finish has now created, a, or is in the process of creating, a an audio story called The Secrets of Det Sen that tells the Doctor's first visit to the monastery. It's part of their early adventures range. It's coming out this August, but you can pre-order it now. And it features Peter Purvis playing both Stephen Taylor and the first Doctor, and also Lauren Cornelius, who is a voice actress, not the original TV actress, playing the part of Dodo Chaplet, who is a really underestimated companion in my book. I really like Dodo. And that's that was a, a TV companion originally? Yes, yeah. Okay. Dodo was a First Doctor companion during the time of Stephen. She didn't stay very long. Uh, she came in right after the massacre and then left during the War Machines. Okay. And she was bright and spunky and very 60s young person. <laughs> awesome. Cool. It's, it's, I'm getting to love these these uh, big finished productions that fill in the universe. Uh, now I kind of want the other series to you know, TV, you know TV shows to get this sort of treatment. <laughs> yeah. Also, well, they have a um, they have a series a range out now for Rory as the Lone Centurion filling nice. in his his time while he was waiting for Amy to come out of the Pandorica. Awesome. The only, only problem is every time I hear of a new set of big finish audios, my, my wallet starts whining. <laughs> yeah. I know. There's so, I don't even have the time to listen to it all. It's awesome. It's just so much of it. 
Oh, and another one they've got is, you remember from Planet of the Dead, the Tenth Doctor special where he met the kind of jewel thief lady, Christina, yes. whatever her name was? Yep. She now has a range, too, as, oh. does, as does Jenny from The Doctor's Daughter. Interesting. Did, do they get Georgia Tennant to do yes. The Doctor's yes. Daughter? Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, yeah, I saw something recently. Like, oh, she's really funny, uh, Georgia Tennant, on Twitter. Like mm-hmm. when people post things like polls or post memes about the the 10th doctor, she'll mm-hmm. like, po- like, like, well, you know, my, your favorite doctor. And she's like, uh, 10, of course, that sort of thing. It's really yeah. kind of cute. It's funny. Well, there's, uh-huh. there's one a couple of years ago where someone actually asked her, so, so what's David up to? And she <laughs> said something like, well, he's working on an Ikea bookshelf while watching the kids. You know, <laughs> yeah. something just like routine, normal, everyday life. It's like mundane. He's yeah. being a dad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, one of my favorites was her picture of uh, uh, her dad, the fifth doctor, and uh, her husband, the tenth doctor, trying to put both working to put a light bulb in the up in a, the yeah. ceiling in the living room or something. <laughs> <It was> really, <laughs> like, how many doctors does it take to screw in a light bulb? I think was the caption. So mm-hmm. That was good. All right. So, but today we're talking about the eleventh doctor, uh, Matt Smith, and in this episode, a good man goes to war. Uh, this is. Yeah. They split this season in half? Mid-season finale, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, And it's sort of the first part of a two-parter. It's not t- technically a two-parter, but the story really flows right from this into the next one, So, as, as we'll see. And uh, one of the things that we gets revealed is who Madame Covarian is, this eyepatch lady. We finally give, she finally gets a name. And we find out that even though in this one she seems, still seems fairly villainous, she, later on, we're going to find out in the time of the Doctor that, you know, the episode, the time of the Doctor, that she was really trying to prevent this war that was coming, this really bad war, by stopping the Doctor now. I mean, ha- killing the Doctor is a bad thing, obviously, but she was working to prevent the Siege of Transalor, you know, trying to kill him before that could happen. So that's that's still coming. So that's uh, so that's kind of an interesting thing about about her. I mean, there's just so much that gets revealed in this. I have to admit, when I first watched this, I was confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much happened. So much came at you very quickly without a lot of necessary, necessarily getting enough explanation that by the end of it, I was I was thinking, like, I'm not sure what just all happened here. Yeah. Uh, although this well, time the, the, I was much less so. Well, the first 15 minutes is basically the doctor rounding up people for his war. I mean, yes. so you just got lots of little snippets flashing in and out. Although I love with, with Rory right off the bat, you know, I mean, he, I, that was such a great start. We we should probably clarify since we do these with a break, but since we've reviewed the previous episode. So at the end of the last episode, the doctor revealed that the Amy who has been traveling with them was really a programmable matter flesh replicant that had been connected to the consciousness of the real Amy who was somewhere else in time and space and pregnant. And and that's why the doctor had been getting inconsistent readings of is Amy pregnant or not. And right. so he he revealed that he needed to keep the flesh avatar Amy around long enough to get enough information to block and trace this to block the signal to the flesh, mm-hmm. which he then dramatically does and Amy melts at the end of the previous episode with the promise that the Doctor and Rory are going to come get her now. And so right. that's what we see at the beginning of this episode is 
the doctor and Rory gathering people for the coming battle and with Rory in particular looking for evidence of where Amy is. And he goes to the 12th Cyber Legion of Cybermen in his Roman centurion uniform because, you know, he was a legionary too, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he says, I've got a message from the doctor and a question from me. The question is, where is my wife? And they, and he knows they're a listening post, so they should have evidence of that. But when they deny it, elements of the spaceships they're on just start exploding right or left as the message of the doctor. Yep. So the doctor is killing Cybermen here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Rory says, would you like me to repeat the question? <laughs> I got to say, Rory in this opening sequence is like the best Rory. This is Rory yeah. at his most awesome. This is like kind of reminds me of Rory from uh, the few episodes of the, oh, that other series that he did, the superhero DC series, uh, The League. Oh, Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Like yep. that character he kind of plays in that is more suave and confident. And Rory here kind of comes across that way. And it's nice because it starts with the, the episode starts with Amy giving birth. And then her, the voiceover of her talking to the baby about the man who's coming, who never going to let us down, who no, even an army can't get in his way. And obviously we're being led to believe it's the doctor. And then she says, I promise you, you'll never be alone because this man is your father. And this is where you go. The doctor? And well, then Rory they, steps in. They play with that, but and she even teases it with, or the writing teases it with, he's the last of his kind and he's lived for centuries. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, technically, that describes Rory. He lived for centuries as the lone centurion who is the last of the centurions. Well, the, right. the, even even the what they're showing, the little cutscenes as they're going along, it shows you know the sonic screwdriver being used. Kind of as she's talking about who this person is, right? So of course, the immediate, again, the immediate connection is, "Oh, this is the doctor she's talking about." Then all of a sudden, Rory walks in, and it's like, "Oh, yeah, even yeah. better." <laughs> and he's got the sonic screwdriver; he's been yes. taught to use it. Well, right. it's it's funny too because I love that where he walks in, and all the Cybermen are pointing their guns at him, ready to blast him. And he's just like, "I don't care." Yes, I'm I got afraid. my question to ask. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that, that was. I mean, this is Rory, peak Rory. That's I gotta say, this is Rory at his best. Uh, so then we we kind of switch from that to this um, demons run military base. That's that's the, that's where we get the uh, the battle on of an demons ast- run on an yeah. asteroid. On an asteroid, yep. there's uh, the the soldiers of the papal legions or the the the, the I forget what they call the Church of the Army or something. Well, they don't really. I didn't. I don't think they really gave us a name. It's just yeah. this military force that's associated with Madame Kavarian and apparently the United States Air Force. Well, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're wearing Air Force uniforms, right? Yeah, it was very much Air Force style uniforms. That, that's for sure. Specifically, the airman airman battle uniform of the U.S. Air Force. Yeah. There, there was there was the. Uh, Thin, fat, gay-married Anglican Marines is how two of them were described. <laughs> right, right. So they, they call themselves Anglican Marines. Right, that's true. The, it's the Church of the Papal Mainframe. We, that, we heard about this in the, uh, the, that Weeping Angels episode where they yeah. were in the ship, that sort of thing. So that was where we were first introduced to this group. But yeah, they're, the, uh, they're also sometimes called the Church of the Silence, I think, in other episodes. But in, well, a, in any case... It's ambiguous, but here they are allied with the headless monks who we've heard yep, about before. Right. And it's really clear that the headless monks and this military organization are two different groups, but they are allied for purposes of taking down the doctor. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
and there's actually a couple of neat uh, bits of exposition on showing how they're preparing to confront the doctor, like the two soldiers doing it, like one quizzing the other, like holding up two pieces of paper, one that's blank and one that's written on. And it's a, it's an exercise in identifying which one's the psychic paper. Like I, yep. th- I thought that was kind of kind of clever. That was a, a nice little thing. But, and you have to yeah, look for the the uh, the fractals. Right, right. Uh, but yes, the headless monks, and the, apparently the headless monks have this agreement with this military force that uh, some of the members of the military force will become uh, involuntary recruits to the headless monks, including this one, the fat gay marine, whatever they called himself. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah so there's that so the headless monks then there's this other uh, female soldier her name's lorna bucket who says that she had an encounter with the doctor as a child in a place called the gamma forest where you know he told her to run which seems about right and so they mm-hmm. ran I, I like when she's quizzed about that that's all he said and she replies he said it a lot <laughs> that's right <laughs> So the whole sense is the doctor is both well known. Everybody knows him and his various quirks and proclivities of of the you know the way he does things, but he's also feared by everyone. And that's that's the the big thing here is the doctor is known and feared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also get to see intercutting in this opening montage the different people that the doctor is gathering. Mm-hmm. They include Madame Vastra and Jenny from Paternoster mm-hmm. Row in the in the 1880s London. Yep. And Madame Vashtra Vashta comes in and says tell Scotland Yard that Jack the Ripper has claimed his last victim and yep. she's apparently eaten him. Yes. Eaten yeah. Jack the Ripper. <laughs> we also meet Strax for the first mm-hmm. time who is not yet part of the Paternoster gang. He is in a war in some future planet where people dress in Vic- in Edwardian garb mm-hmm. or Victorian garb. And he is a nurse to do penance for the crimes of his clone branch. And this apparently was the doctor's idea of how to do penance. Mm -hmm. And we also meet Dorian Maldivar, the big, big blue guy that River once got a, um, uh, whatchamacallit, vortex manipulator from. Mm -hmm. So we've seen him before. And also we meet River herself, who's coming back to the Stormcage prison facility when Rory shows up to recruit her and she's she's coming back in she's breaking back into her cell and she's been at a party and is obviously a little tipsy <laughs> and she explains to Rory it's her birthday which, which is, is which is important and also you don't realize it when you first watch the episode, but they've set that up already because we've already seen someone get born this episode. Right. Mm -hmm. And she tells Rory that she can't come, that she realizes it's about to be the battle of demons run. And she says, I can't be part of this at least not yet. She says the doctor is about to soar higher that she says, this is the the doctor's darkest hour that he's about to soar higher than he's ever been before and then fall lower than he's ever been before. And I can't be there until the very end. Mm-hmm. Right. And with that kind of okay, so Stephen Moffat, Mister Writer, you just made th- three promises, really four, to the listener. This is the Doctor's darkest hour. Okay, that's promise number one. You better show me his darkest hour. Number two, he's going to soar higher than he ever has b- before. Number three, he's going to fall lower 
than he ever has before. And number four, River's going to be there at the end. Okay, I agree. You fulfilled promise number four. River was there at the end. The question is, does the payoff we get live up, fulfill the first three promises? Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure for people's, I'm sure people's mileage will vary on that. Personally, I don't believe this is the Doctor's Darkest Hour. No, the Time War would be the Darkest the, Hour. Yeah, yeah, Time War would be bigger. <laughs> yeah. The, has he, does he go to, he, he does go to impressive heights here, yep. and it is followed by an impressive low. I don't know that it fully lives up to those promises, but on those two, I'll kind of give them a pass at, you know, maybe from River's perspective, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. But I think it's certainly arguable, are those promises fulfilled? There's also, a, you could say, a fifth one where this is the day the Doctor finds out who she is, which is true. Oh, yeah. Yes, she does say that. And that one's also fulfilled. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I want to mention with uh, Dorium, the blue skin guy, He so it starts with him, Madame Covarian, coming to him. And there's they have a discussion about the Doctor and the name of the base. The base is called Demon's Run. And he says, do you know why it's called that? It's because Demon's Run when a good man goes to war, which is where the title mm-hmm. of the episode uh, comes from and then the the implication is that's the doctor who's the good man who goes to war but maybe it's not maybe it's rory the good man who goes to war so interesting mm-hmm. uh so amy means, yes maybe some both. kind of hybrid yep uh and then some, and then know, Dorian timeless gets, warrior race that <laughs> stand in the ruins of gallifrey at the end of time mm, <laughs> the timeless children so uh Amy, meanwhile, gets uh, this embroidered prayer leaf from the, Lorna from Gamma For- the Gamma Forests and yeah. talks about uh, how the doctor comes for you. Right. Yeah. It's it's like a piece of silk yeah. that's kind of ornate and has little bells on it, but it's called a prayer leaf. And she tells she tells Amy that, what is it, that like your child will always come back to you if you have this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's embroidered the name of Amy's child, who she's named Melody, mm-hmm. after her best friend, as we'll learn in the next episode. Melody, or Mel's, as she called her, was her best friend growing up, mm-hmm. and so she named her daughter after her. And so, uh, Lorna, Lorna Bucket is just like this is a name from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> But Lorna Bucket has embroidered the name in the language of the Gamma Forest on the prayer leaf. So she's embroidered Melody Pond on the two, Melody on one side and Pond on the other, but in the Gamma Forest language. Right. As, at the, as, she's, as she's giving Amy this, Amy, who is very distraught at having her baby taken away from her, says, can I borrow your gun? And Lorna says, why? Because I have a feeling you're going to keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> Amy is like the epitome of salty Scottish woman. Like she is yeah. really. <laughs> I love, I love Amy. So uh, yeah. So then we have this pep rally that's going on within the uh, the big hangar bay with the the headless monks and the the army and or the marines and uh, the headless monks are revealed at this point to be really be headless with this interesting little effect they have i mean the effective body horror thing where mm-hmm. it's not simply like just it's cut like a cut at the at the top of yeah. the of the neck it's sort of twisted clothes like a trash bag and it's, singed yeah it's really creepy <laughs> yeah they, they, like they tied they tied off the uh the nerve endings basically the 
Yeah. And uh, and they have lightsabers. Essentially. Well, they have swords <laughs> sort of. with a with red glowing electrical effects. But the but the blade like extends from the hilt when they activate it. So it's mm. sort of like a light it's sort of like, like a dark saber, lightsaber thing. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, the doctor, of course, pops up from under uh, one of the hoods. He's the the non headless monk among saw them. that coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anytime, anytime the doctor is sneaking into a place and there are people with hoods up, okay, the uh, a hood's going to come down and it's going to be the doctor. You can just yeah, count on that. And of course, is. he has to, he yeah. has to show off. You know, he has to come get me type of deal. And sure enough, they try. He does so, get them to start shooting at each other. Yeah. Well, and that's his that's his goal here. So he, after his reveal, now the, I forget the name of the officer who's been leading this Manton. Pep, pep talk. Yeah. He tells yeah. them that the doctor's a liar, a trickster, blah, 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 blah. And the doctor has the lights turned off. And then he says, I'm not a trickster, I'm a monk. And so mm. that has the effect of making the military guys suspicious of the monks and the monks react naturally defensively and so you get some shooting starting between the two sides and this causes chaos and the officer in charge starts trying to quiet everybody down he gets all of the military people to disarm themselves and to take mm-hmm. the clips out of their laser guns which use clips to uh illustrate to the monks that they've disarmed themselves now and we're all on the same side and stuff like that and so the doctor has nicely disarmed the, the you know this right. military force, and then we have his his allies beam in. They include a bunch of Silurians. They include Jadun uh, to keep the army from calling for help. Mm-hmm. He has Danny Boy come in in his World War II era space oh, fighter and just dis- yeah <laughs> and destroy the communications array. And it's like, please, I hate the Danny Boy thing. <laughs> Me too. Um, uh, can I? I just want to uh-huh. add one thing. In the disarming, Manton has them chanting, "We are not fools. We are right. not fools." And so then they put their guns down, and that's when the army <laughs> beams in around <laughs> them. Like, fooled. yeah, you're kind of yeah. fools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, Madame Kaverian has a line where she says, "The doctor must think he's winning until the trap closes." So we right. know something more is going on here. She's got the Melody, uh, Amy's baby, and is heading for a like a spaceship to flee, mm-hmm. but the spaceship has been taken over by the pirates from Curse of the mm-hmm. Black Spot. Captain so Avery. We're, yep. We're yep. pulling together all kinds of stuff from this season and last. And I like that as a concept. I just hate Danny Boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I do too. By, by the way, Don, when you saw the baby carrier, did you think of Grogu? Totally. It looks like the the the, the floating bassinet <laughs> from uh from Mandalorian. I'm gonna wonder if like someone got a little uh, inspiration from Doctor Who for that uh one. It could be. And for people who may not have seen the Mandalorian, Grogu is the name of Baby Yoda. Yes, yep. yes, Baby Yoda. Uh so um there is a uh, so there's the doctor once they finally capture Covarian, the doctor confronts her, he says, uh Oh look, I'm angry. That's new. I'm really not sure what's going to happen now. And Kavarian says, the anger of a good man is not a problem. Good men have too many rules. And the doctor says, good men don't need rules. Today is not the day to find out why I have so many. Mm-hmm. The doctor's sort of, the, that darkness in the doctor is sort of mm-hmm. coming out here. He's angry. Yeah. He's angry about this whole situation. But we have a line that indicates Stephen Moffat has tried to pay off uh, one of his promises that the mm-hmm. 
Madame Vashra says you've taken Demon's Run without losing a single life, which is not true because yeah. some of the monks and, and military guys killed each other. Yep. yep. But she says you've taken Demon's Run without losing a single life. You've risen higher than ever before. And right. okay, this is a, this is a pretty high rise. I mean, he did with minimal casualties manage to stand down this uh, this massive military force. Yep. There is a uh, a nice moment where Rory is reunited as he reunites Amy with Melody. You know, he mm-hmm. he comes into that white room and then he, you know, they took a Rory, they took our baby away. And he's and he's does the now, Mrs. Williams, that's never ever going to happen, and then brings to the baby. And then he kind of ruins it a little bit by like starting to kind of get all weepy, which is just yeah. glory, which is awesome. <laughs> I was gonna be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that. Um So now we have to have the doctor fall further than ever before. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention like so the doctor gives them a bassinet for the baby to put in to put the baby in, which is essentially as they say in England a cot. Right, yep. because we don't want to use French words. <laughs> I guess. <Yes. laughs> um, it, one of those little baby carrier things, you know? Yes. You, yep. baby, it's a baby bed. And it is his. The, so it's very old, and it was his. And that has interesting implications for mm-hmm. the timeless child concept because, and, and we kind of knew this anyway, because we've seen the doctor as a small boy. Apparently, when the last pre-Hartnell regeneration ended, they forced the doctor into an infant form, who then right. grew up as right. the Hartnell doctor. And so this is the cot that 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 baby incarnation, baby William Hartnell, cute little baby William Hartnell. <laughs> oh, he's so fussy. Oh, got, he's so fussy. Weird weird images in my head. <laughs> yeah, I get some weird <laughs> images in my head. <laughs> uh, but that was his 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 cot. So they, at this point, they still don't know why Covarian and the rest wanted Melody. And mm-hmm. the, at, uh, Madame Vastra helps them figure out that uh, Melody has human and Time Lord DNA. And they're still, they're still kind of playing with, could the doctor be the father at this point in the mm-hmm. episode, even right. though the doctor is like, absolutely not. I mean, he's Rory and Amy's child. Right. And, and Vastra, Vastra, presses the doctor on, okay, so how would this child get Time Lord DNA? You told me your people got Time Lord DNA from exposure, from prolonged exposure to the vortex. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, over billions of years, not now the timeless child thing is going to undercut all this. Yes. But uh, he said, yeah, over billions of years, it doesn't just happen. And she says, okay, so when did this child begin? And the doctor pieces together that the, that Melody Pond must have been conceived on the night on Rory and Amy's wedding night because mm-hmm. that was on the, the, TARDIS. the on the yeah. TARDIS in the vortex. Yep, yep. And uh, we also this is also when he figures out that Amy must have been substituted just before the first episode of the season when they went to America. Like that's right. when the the switch was made. Um, so yeah, so that so the baby was conceived on the TARDIS then, and then yeah, so. Uh, you know, before that. Yeah. Uh, so we have a lot of drama and running around intense dialogue. And, uh, oh, also highest, it highest. turns out, turns yeah. out the monks are uh, still on the station because they don't register as life forms since they're headless. Mm-hmm. 
and even though mm-hmm. they're clearly alive, yes. they don't register that way on the sensors. And so there is a firefight going on with the remaining headless monks and the doctor's allies, Who most else? of whom have left. Right. Mm-hmm. Or have been slaughtered. There's a lot of Silurian bodies laying about, uh, I noticed. Yeah. Yep. And then it turns out that Madame Covarian has escaped, and she has a taunting FaceTime with the doctor. Right. And reveals that she has tricked the doctor with the same trick twice. Right. And, of course, we're hurtling towards the fact, which has been obvious for a while, that the baby is also a flesh ganger. Right. And mm-hmm. she's got the real Melody Pond with her. So uh, the baby melts in Amy's arms. I mean, just whoosh, it blew all at once. It's not like a wax melt. It's like totally liquefies in a second. That's creepy. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it would be creepier if it was a slow melt. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But in any event, so they've lost the baby, and now River shows up, and the doctor is really perplexed, and River tells him that this because he's. He's, you know, saying, this is my fault, blah, blah, blah. And but also, she, where were you? Is <laughs> he saying also, yeah. And, and yeah. where were you? And she tells him that, absolutely, this is all you. This is all about you. you think about what you became. Hundreds of years ago, when you first left Gallifrey just to see the universe, that was one thing. But now you have become so well-known in the universe and are so feared by various people that like in the language of the gamma forest doctor doesn't mean healer or wise man it means mighty warrior mm-hmm. and we even had a line from Lorna Bucket earlier cuz she's kind of an inverse amy they were both mm-hmm. abandoned by the doctor as little girls and now right. they both have a chance to meet him but amy's perspective is he's a doctor he's he's not a warrior but Lorna's perspective is then why is he called doctor right because right. that's what warrior that's what that means mighty warrior in her language. And so the doctor, this is the alleged fallen further than ever before thing. The doctor realizes that he has become this monstrous, unstoppable killing thing in the mythologies of various people. Uh, River even says the word doctor is a bootstrap paradox that comes from him. That's where the word comes from. But for some people, it means healer and wise man. For others, it means mighty warrior, unstoppable killing thing. We should point out also that in that battle, the the, the doctor does lose people. Strax dies, although Ish. they'll undo that later on in a, in a mini episode that gets released in about two years from this point so that he can yeah. get back for the snowmen. <laughs> and uh, Dorian it, it becomes headless. Yes, he mm-hmm. becomes one of the, the headless. And Lorna... Bucket is Lorna killed. dies. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, as the do- as the doctor tells her, "Oh, I remember you. I remember running with you." And, and then he's he, lying. And then he's lying yep. to for, for for her sake. So that because and she does say at some point that she joined the papal army in order to, to find the doctor to get to meet him again. I think that was the yep the yep. clear there exactly. So the, the the doctor at this point is kind of freaked out by River and what she's been saying, and he's like, "Who are you?" And in answer, she points to the old high Gallifreyan on the side of his cot, his bassinet. And that's when he understands. Uh, but, but what okay, does it so, say? So that's a fake out, and it's not well handled. It's apparently right. the doctor's name. Okay. But that's a fake out. She's not, we the viewer, the first time we see this, are meant to think that she's pointing to the old high Gallifreyan on the cot. Really, um, what she's doing is pointing to the prayer leaf inside the cot. Oh, 
And so the doctor suddenly becomes happy and understands everything, but we don't. And and manically gets in the TARDIS, tells River to get everybody home and he'll see you soon and demats and goes off in the TARDIS, leaving everybody here. Then River, so Amy now demands to know what just happened here. Who are you? And she she comes over to the cot with Rory and River says, you know, just look, it takes the TARDIS translation circuits a few minutes to catch up with written text, which is not true. And also the TARDIS is gone. Yep. But I guess maybe they still have a telepathic link with it. And Amy looks like the audience looks at the old high Gallifreyan on the side and says, I, I, I'm, I'm not seeing anything intelligible here. And she, River says, it's old high Gallifreyan, it doesn't translate, which also doesn't make any sense. Yes. But then she redirects Amy's and Rory's attention to the prayer leaf that had been put in the cot, uh, I guess when the flesh baby was there at some point. Mm-hmm. And on one side, so they, they pick up the prayer leaf, and on one side, it you know, where it's supposed to say Melody, mm-hmm. it, it, or actually, she... Um, it starts with the other one. It, it starts yeah. with the other yeah, one. It starts with, with um, where it's supposed to say Pond, River explains that there is no... There is word no pond for, in the yeah. Gamma Forest, and so there is no word for pond. Yeah. And this ties into the line that Idris, the TARDIS personification, a few episodes spoke to Rory, the only water in the forest is the river. Mm-hmm. And so Melody translates into their language as, or pond in their language translates as river. And then mm-hmm. they, they flip it over, and obviously a Melody goes with a song. And so Melody Pond is River Song. And she, now having revealed herself to her parents, refers to them as mom and dad. End of episode. Mm -hmm. Doctor Who will return in Let's Kill Hitler, (laughs) which was such a different title the first time I saw that come up on the screen. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. What? So, (laughs) yeah, the doctor's apparently going off to rescue the baby and yeah yeah it's it it's kind of a that's one of the things i get like i got to the end of this episode i'm like what wait wait what i was yeah. like the 10th doctor what <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i so for me this one my memory of this episode was that i didn't i didn't like various things about it and i thought it was kind of confusing and overhyped and I still think I still think those things to a degree, but having watched it a second time with analysis mode on or another time with analysis mode on, I, I appreciate the complexity of the writing. I would tweak things here and there, and I would tone down some of the rhetoric, but overall, I st- and I would probably try to make a few things a little clearer, like, what is, why is the doctor leaving at the end? That doesn't make much right. sense, because he's not going to rescue the baby. Right. So, and why but, does he take anybody with him? Right? Yeah, exactly. I, I would clarify a few things, but overall, I found it an enjoyable episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with Jimmy. I mean, it, it's they packed a lot into a forty-five minute episode. I mean, it was mm-hmm. very tightly packed, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, which frankly is better than some episodes we've watched where it's been the exact opposite. It could have been a twenty-minute episode. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. at least is a good thing. No, I, I, I agree. It's. it's it's enjoyable, but it is very confusing. At times. There's, there's also I like the way they juxtapose complex emotions. 
Like mm-hmm. in the opening birth sequence, you know, we have clear juxtaposition of, on Amy's part, terror and tenderness mm-hmm. because she's just realized she hasn't been where she thought she was for months. She's in this weird a medical facility. She has no clue. She's pregnant. She's giving birth. And then we have the tender intercutting with her talking to baby Melody now mm-hmm. that she's born. And it's it's a really interesting and emotionally complex thing going on there. And that happens at other points in the episode as well. So I like the emotional layering and texturing we have here. Don't like everything, but I like that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they kind of did at the end, too, where Amy is furious with River. She's got a mm-hmm. gun on her. And River's like, it's mm-hmm. okay. It's okay, Rory. She's fine. She's good. And then as she leads her through it. You know, there's that that contrast, you know, because she knows she's about to reveal to Amy, I'm your daughter, and yep. and that's going to change everything. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. I, I like the there were costs to to this. I mean, the Moffat eventually pulls back on killing off Strax, as Moffat tends to do. Tends does. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the loss of Lorna, she Lorna's dead and she stays dead. And that's. That's the cost to this, and she's not a major character, but there is there is there are people who get who are we we've attached to it to some degree who that we do lose. So there is a that emotional cost there. So that was I think there was um yeah I I, I liked the episode I I found it a little confusing at first uh less so uh, the more I watched it but uh, it but it, it but it's a lot of action it's it's a lot of uh, uh, quippy action. And not a lot of the, the these these other things like at the end, the final scene, and that sort of stuff, where we have a little more talking. I hadn't uh, expected to do this, but at the end of this episode, I found myself enjoying it enough that I immediately went on to rewatch "Let's Kill Hitler." Yeah, <laughs> and it, it it was a nice pair. It's good to see them mm-hmm. as a pair. I feel sorry for all of us back when they released live, and we had to wait months to get closure. Yep. Yes. That's right. I do remember, like, sitting down to watch Let's Kill Hitler and going, wait, what's going on? <laughs> being <laughs> confused the, again. <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time being confused, but. <laughs> it was weird, too, because when they released these on DVD, they actually did them as season 6.1 and season 6.2, basically. Yeah. So they they actually split the season, like, with releases and everything. So it was, it was really strange the way they made decisions yeah. like that. I also uh, recently was on Catholic Answers Live. We had a weird questions episode, and one of the um, one of the questions was, "Who would Jimmy visit if he could uh, spend a day with someone, either living or dead, from world history?" And so I said, "Well, it depends on things like, will my TARDIS translate for me, or do I have to pick someone who speaks English? <laughs> do I get to bring Wonder Woman's golden lasso of truth with me? Because some of the people I might like to interview might be inclined not to tell me the truth without it. <laughs> also, do I get to uh, do I get to change history? Because you know the saying, like like Melody Pond says." You've got a time machine. I've got a gun. Let's kill Hitler. <laughs> Man, now, now there's an interesting alt history novel that could be written about what would what would the world be like today, 2021, if Hitler had been killed before World War II. Oh, it's would, been done. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Much, much, much ink has been spilled on that. Yeah. Okay. Someone to to, to do it well anyway. But by anyway. by the way, I view all 
non all fiction novels, even realistic ones, as well, it's just alt history. It's fiction. So it's alt yeah, history. Yeah. Therefore, all fiction is science fiction. Okay? <laughs> there you Get go. over it, people. No more snobbery. Those realistic novels you're reading, those are alt histories. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So on this episode, any final thoughts on the, the my good man goes to war, uh, Father Corey? Uh, so River says that when she's breaking back in, that she's coming back from ice skating on the River Thames. While we don't get quite payoff oh, yeah. on that, we do get to see Capaldi and Capaldi's doctor and Bill yeah. at the frozen River Thames and find out why it was frozen. Right, the frost fairs. Yeah, yes. yeah. Also, I love how River says that the doctor arranged for Stevie Wonder to <laughs> sing like Happy Birthday <laughs> to her under London Bridge. And and Rory's Rory, like yeah. he Stevie Wonder performed in Victorian London, and she says you must never tell him. <laughs> <laughs> the joke being that Stevie Wonder is blind, so, yeah. so he didn't know that he yeah. went back in time. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that is awesome. There is a bit of a crossing. There's uh, uh, the the uh, James Corden who does the Late Show had mm-hmm. a stick where he did like driving, doing car- carpool karaoke that he did with mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder. So there's ah. a little bit of. The Lodger crossover with a good man goes to war, sort of going on. I, I, yeah. I, I just, I like to imagine it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. uh, six Jimmy. steps of six steps of Doctor Who instead of six steps of Captain Bacon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Anything else, Father Corey? Nope. Okay, uh, Jimmy. Anything else? No. On to feedback. Well, I do, I do have one line that I want to oh, that uh-huh. I really liked when mm-hmm. they're going into battle and Amy is sending Rory into that last battle that's going on. She says, oh, yeah. "Rory, no offense to others." But you let them all die first, okay? And then Rory says, <laughs> "You're so Scottish." <laughs> Which I, think it's great. I don't. I I have to confess. I I mean, I appreciate the let uh, let everybody else die first because you know he's her husband. Yeah, yeah. But I don't get why that's Scottish. I think it's the lack of sentimentality in the sense mm-hmm. of uh, you sort of hard nosed. Uh, I'm getting right to the point. I'm not holding back. I want uh-huh. you not to die. <laughs> let them <Okay>. die. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is. All right. So uh, as as promised, there's some feedback. So this goes back to our episode. We talked about the uh, the best classic Who, the be- uh, best uh, Doctor mm. Who classics that we would suggest. And uh, Father Brian writes in. He says, mm. um, I've been an avid new Who fan for years, and I'd like to try out classic Who. I tried the first two Hartnell stories, An Unearthly Child and The Daleks, but I was turned off by the slower pace of television back then. What would be your top episodes or stories from any era of Classic Who to introduce a new Who fan to Classic Who? Thanks. So the first thing is probably to, me- to mention that we did an episode, I think it was 200, that where we talked about yep. our, our listing of our of top stories to introduce Doctor Who to mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. But, but specifically in this case, what, do you have any straight up suggestion here for, for him? I meant to, I meant to, I have to apologize because I meant to devote additional thought to that. I did some mm-hmm. at the time. One of my thoughts was that looking later in classic Who history, as te- television starts to become more similar to what we're used right. to today, like looking at the Seventh Doctor's era, also I'm sh- something in the Fourth Doctor's era because he was, Tom Baker was the most popular of all mm-hmm. of them. Right. It's it's a little hard to say. I mean, I, I would want to sit down with a list of all the stories and think about which ones. Right. Oh, another general piece of advice I had is go for the shorter ones. Mm-hmm. The shorter serials, if it's a six-parter, it's probably got some padding in it. 
there are exceptions to that, like the evil of the Daleks, which mm-hmm. is remarkably fast-paced despite the fact it's six parts. Yeah. Unfortunately, most of it doesn't survive and has to be reanimated at this point. But generally, the three-parters and four-parters are going to be tighter in terms of pacing. Well, you know, you talk about Fourth Doctor. I think you know one that commonly people will mention is Genesis of the Daleks. I, I, yeah. I was just going to say the only problem is that's a six-parter, and it, <laughs> it does, is, but it it's, does it's, it's drag some fairly, in the middle. It does but, drag a little bit. Um, I would, I would say that it is worth watching an unearthly child, the original episode. Now, episode, not story. Right. Don't go to the cavemen, cavemen. <laughs> but the original story is actually it does actually move fairly well. And so that that's worth watching just to see the origin of the series. You know, Caves of Androzani, if you want to go to Fifth Doctor, of course, you know, regeneration episode, but considered to be mm-hmm. one of the best, um, would be a good one. I'm I'm trying to think where some of the other ones that we've we've kind of mentioned in the past. Talons of Wing Chiang mm-hmm. is 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 yes. where is is quite entertaining. That's another fourth doctor one. Some of the seventh doctor things avoid the sixth for now. All together. Um, altogether. <laughs> don't don't even worry about the sixth. But some of the seventh doctor ones and I think that kind of covers a basic summary, but also check out the ones we mentioned in episode two hundred. There's yeah. a couple of third doctor ones that we've seen that I I think were pretty good. The problem with the second doctor is so much of it's missing. Yeah. There's some good mm-hmm. stories, but you can't really watch them per se. And they, they are starting to bring them up on uh, animation. animation. And that yeah. does help. So, And we've talked about a couple of them that they've done a really good job with. The Macro Terra uh, was good in animation. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the one episode I would recommend that is a long episode, but it actually does move very, very well, especially if you watch it in like a couple of sittings, is Inferno. If you want a third doctor mm-hmm. episode, that actually oh, yeah. is... A pretty good moving episode, despite being a what ten parter. Um, yeah. But if you sat down, and you watched it like it, five. It, well, five, it's not it's, a ten parter. It's like a seven parter, I think. Oh, seven part. For some reason, I thought it was ten. I, no, that's yeah. right. That's War Games is the ten. War part. Games is the oh, ten parter. Man. That was long. That, <laughs> Don't that's, watch that's, War Games. No, that that's one that you have to be invested in to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, Inferno. Like if you broke Inferno into like three parts, four parts, I think it would be a good introduction to the Third Doctor. Very much so. Yeah. So uh, I hope that helps, Father Brian. We uh, give some ideas. It's this 50 years of dark, 50 plus years of Doctor Who to choose from. It's sometimes it's hard to you get a few of us together in a room and we'll we'll go on and on about which ones are the best ones to start with. But but check out our 200th episode that the the essential Doctor Who stories that might also Mm -hmm. give you some ideas. So, all right. Uh, I think that'll do it for now. We'll take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Stephen B., Lawrence S., Nicholas D., Richard M., and Stuart J. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. Now's a great time to become a StarQuest patron, thanks to a generous gift from a StarQuest supporter when you start a new Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com slash give. The first three months will be matched by an equal amount from our donor, which helps make your gift go even further. So if you've been thinking about becoming a StarQuest patron, now's the time. Visit sqpn.com slash give today. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. Thank you very much, Victor. And so that's it from us. What do you think of A Good Man Goes to War? Were you as confused as I was the first time you watched it? Do you (laughs) love it? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to doctorwho at sqpn.com. 
We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the fifth Doctor story, The Ark of Infinity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. To infinity and beyond. Oh, wait, that's a different thing. <laughs> Jimmy Aiken, <laughs> Thanks, thank Dom. you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, demons run when a good man goes to war. Right. This is going to be fun.